And now we have on the phone a producer, an engineer, a mixer, Steve Thompson, who has worked with Guns N' Roses and Counting Crows and Blues Traveler and Metallica and Mick Jagger and the, I mean, an incredible number of people. But he's here tonight on the Beatles Fab Forum because Steve was an engineer and did remixing and did editing on Milk and Honey and a lot of other posthumous John Lennon projects and a lot of Yoko projects. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Well, it's going pretty well. We're having, it's, it's more Beatlemania than usual. Now, it must have been, and I know you had worked with all kinds of, of, of big stars and all kinds of big projects, but to get the call to go in and work on the John Lennon album that was unfinished when John passed away must have been a really hard job. Can you describe how you got, can you describe how you got involved and what the atmosphere was like when those sessions began? Well, I was working with Klaus Vorman on a band called Trio back in the day. And from what I understand, Klaus uh, recommended me to Yoko to work on that project. And I believe Yoko probably interviewed thousands of people for the project. So, you know, I went to Dakota, sat down with Yoko. She asked a bunch of questions. Good meeting. I left, and I was uh, living in Long Island at the time. And, you know, and, but I did have a place in the city as well. So about a month goes past, and I get a call from Sam Havertoy, or I believe her assistant at the time, said, Yoko would like to see you. Now, this is about 5 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And I was a DJ in a club, so I got out of 4 just got home, so I had to go all the way, drive into the city, and they said, I got the gig. And that was it. That was so probably the test. Huh? That was probably the test. Would you, would the guy get up at 5 in the morning and drive in? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, just, you know, it was really weird. I was hanging out at a lot of clubs in the city, and I went to this club called Club 82, and that night I met John Lennon, uh, David Bowie, and uh, Mick Jagger, all together. Now, what year was this? Oh, God, that was, I'd have to say maybe early 80s. Um, don't think. But the, we the weirdest thing is that, I, I, I mean, Bowie is the reason I got into music. I mean, to meet these three people and to say at the end of the day I've worked with all three of them is just like numbing. May have been drop earlier than that, probably like 75 when John was hanging with David Bowie. It certainly could yeah, have been in the 80s. Yeah. Actually, it was. You're right. It was the 70s. Yeah, it certainly couldn't have been the 80s. That was at the glam era. So, so tell me this. When you, when you are in the music business yourself and you see Lennon, Jagger, and Bowie together, do you go up and slip them a resume? Do you say, we're in the same game, or do you just stand back? Oh, I, I, are you kidding? I was too scared. I mean, I, I couldn't do that. First of all, I was in a band. I was a crap guitar player. And uh, at the time, we were all glammed out. I believe Wayne County or Jane County, whoever was performing yeah. at the club that night. And I believe the New York Dolls are there as well, if I'm mistaken. Wow. It was a pretty big hang, yeah. Now, when I'm assuming that a lot of people in the room, when you're working on Milk and Honey, after John has passed away, are people who, especially Yoko, knew John, worked with John, loved John. Was it, were you there with sort of fresh ears? Were you there, the guy in the room who could offer a different opinion because you didn't have that emotional connection? Well, that's a good, you know, it's basically having perspective. You know, thank God I always do my homework. And I'm, you know, talking to guests before, I remember watching the Ed Sullivan show. I hate to show my age. No, everybody tonight is talking about the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah, I mean, I have, and and um, you know, I remember that. But 
basically Yoko's game plan was to bring in a bunch of musicians like Paul Schaefer and enhance what was there. Now I listened to the tracks and I, I, I says, I don't know. I don't, I, we can make this sound good the way it is. Why don't we keep it in its rawest form? And I went back and forth to Yoko and she finally agreed. Thank God. Nothing. And I love Paul, Paul Schaefer. I've worked with him tons of times. Amazing musician. But you have to understand, these were mainly demos on Milk and Honey. Yeah. And a couple of songs were probably going to be on the Double Fantasy album, but as you know, they were holdovers. So nothing was, wasn't was finished, basically. I think the first song we worked on was Nobody Told Me To Be Days Like These. And um, what was interesting is, you know, my, I was working on my partner at the time, Michael Barbiero. We knew exactly what kind of vocal sound to get for John because, you know, we knew it like the back of our hands. So we put that track up and it sounded really good. You know, that that well, that was one of the few songs that was recorded on a multi-track because Girl Old With Me was the only form we had on that song was on a cassette. So I think what John would do was we write or script out a song, he would play piano and put a little boom box on his piano and yeah. record it on a cassette. Mm-hmm. You know? So there was a lot unfinished, but it was definitely to have fresh ears, fresh perspective. And, yeah, we, we could have brought any musician in the world, and obviously they could have done a great job. But I, I felt that the way these songs were, I think they would have been better just to keep it really raw. Well, Steve Thompson, thank goodness you you won that argument because that's what we love about that record. And you later worked on the the box working, well, you did Working Class Hero, the tribute to John Lennon. You worked on the signature John Lennon box. You worked on the Ono box. A lot of material to go through. And I wonder, and you've also done, you know, remixes and, and post-production of the Velvet Underground and James Brown and the Jacksons and Madonna and Aretha. And here's what I wonder. When you go in a decade or 20 or 30 years later, to work on a classic artist's work. How much of what you do is determined by how it was made at the time and how much by what devices people are going to be listening to it on from now on? I mean, you've translated tapes to CD and CD to streaming. Are you guided more by preserving what it was when it was made or making it sound as good as it could for today? Well, let's put it this way. You know, I like to, I've always, my whole career, like to maintain the integrity of the song. Now, obviously, in today's stands, like I just I did a Metallica record. They, 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 you know, remastered it and just the full, put a box set out. Same with Guns N' Roses, Appetite. Just basically remastered it. And then what mastering does today is basically a lot of times when you remaster stuff, not remixing, remastering, you're bringing the overall level up to where it's competitive today which is usually too loud because, mm. you you know, a lot of people listen on their phone, very small devices. So it's the loudness factor. So that's basically what remastering is today because, you know, back in the day, even go to the eighties or seventies, you know, music was cut a lot quieter. Right. Cause you know, they, you know, we had a thing called the volume knob. <laughs> we could control it ourselves. So, yeah, that, exactly. That's crazy. All right. Now, now, now I got to ask you an expert uh, witness question. Have you listened to the remixed White Album, and what do you think of it? I did not get that yet. You know, so I, you know, I have to get it. I, I'm a little tardy on that. Um, I heard pros and cons. It's almost like uh, what was interesting is uh, Phil Spector when he worked with the Beatles, and I thought he did a good job, but uh, was it John or Paul hated it? Paul hated okay. it. 
Yeah. Was it Paul? Yeah, it was funny. I, I met up with Paul in 86 when we were talking about working together. Charming guy. Loved him. Yeah. But, you know, um, what was really interesting, uh, when you look back and, you know, you see how these the music was recorded back then. I, I wanted to know if George was still working with Four Track on the White Album or progressed. Because, you know, I... I to me, George was the genius. Uh, George Martin, Martin yeah. yeah, was a genius. You know, because the amount of production that he could get in four tracks is mind-boggling. And I remember it was the song "Blue Jay Way." Uh, that was the first time I experienced stereo hmm. in headphones. If you see the left and right focus uh, on the stereo image, because obviously a lot of the Beatles records recorded mono, then they went into stereo. Now, as far as the White Album goes, I've heard pros and cons on it, and I don't listen to anybody. I, I judge my own opinion, but I, I will pick it up, though. Hey, Steve, I had a question for you. Um, one of the albums you worked on right after Milk and Honey was a, a Yoko uh, tribute uh, collection called Every Man Has a Woman. Um, do you remember that album? I remember us working on the song "Every Man Has a Woman." Correct? Okay, great. That's I. I want to ask about that song. That uh, that song first appeared on Double Fantasy with a Yoko lead vocal, and here on the Treat album, it, it sounds to be the same backing track with a little bit of embellishment, but it's the John vocal. Did that Did that present any kind of challenge to you? Saying, "Okay, how would John want to sound in this? How much reverb do I add? How do you go about capturing his essence on on a pre recorded track?" It's doing your homework and having a feel, you know. Um, to me, I'm a feel person. I close my eyes and just feel the whole song. I mean, it sounds weird. And understand the technology we had back when we did that. It, there was no computers on, on, right. on consoles, you know. We mixed manually with faders and just a feel thing. And to me, I, I still love that approach today, even though, you know, you know, you have in the box, everything's Pro Tools, this and that. I get it. But there's a certain feel, you know, when, I, when I'm mixing, I feel like I'm playing the band. And as far as vocal atmosphere, um, that's important to me. You know, I, I did a lot of homework on his records and, you know, picked out, you know, I, I would show Michael. I said, okay, see this song here? This is the perfect vocal sound for John in this song. Well, great. And I pick out, pick out an earlier song because, again, what, you know, people spend a lot of time perfecting something. And and when it works, why why screw with it? Yeah, that's that's interesting. We're talking with uh, Steve Thompson, and S Steve has one of the rare. Well, I don't know how many people ever worked on a John Lennon record, and didn't you work on a Julian Lennon record also? Yes, I worked on Too Late for Goodbyes. In fact, uh, Julian and I were very close in the eighties. We hung out a lot together, and the, the late great Phil Ramone. Uh, produced that track. It was just a great feeling track, you know? And how did you and, get involved? Um, we were doing a lot of work. I'm trying to think now, because my management team at the time was Mark, Andy Kipnis and Mark Bevan at Advanced Alternative Media that's still in Manhattan. And we always get a lot of calls and uh, I don't know who was working. I believe it was Atlantic was the label. I'm trying to think who was the A&R Atlantic at that time. Anyway, and then we got in touch. You know, they wanted to do a remix. We brought Phil Ramone in the studio. Lovely guy. I, I have so much respect for him. Julian was in there. Yeah, I, I believe I probably put some additional musicians on just to enhance it for more of a club club vibe. 
Steve Thompson, we uh, we thank you. We love the stories. We love your attitude about it all. Thanks for uh, bringing a totally different perspective to uh, us and everybody listening on the Beatles Fab Forum. And thanks so much for uh, being our guest tonight. All right, I'm going to give you one last story. Please. We're doing, we're doing the, the Milk and Honey album. Yoko had a birthday party. And so we're in the studio. Harry Nielsen comes walking in, Roberta Flack, a young Sean, and just to sit down and, again, understand the time. I never really studied Harry Nielsen's music. I have to be honest with you. I was a Bowie freak, and I was a heavy rock freak. And later on, I mean, the stories this guy told was amazing. And the other thing is I felt John's presence in that studio when we were working on this music. I mean... And, you know, but the the party was great. Just listening to the guys and Roberta was great. And we actually had a really good time. You know, we were all on the same page. And I think that's the most important thing you can ever do when you work on music is, you know, work together and get what you need. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve Thompson, for uh, spending time with us tonight.